Chapter 1 Over There NASA was as surprised as anyone when the satellite Supkin was intercepted and the first message from Over There was received on Earth. Charlie Broadbean, NASA administrator, practically choked on his cornflakes while listening to the alien missive disrupt the otherwise soothing tones of Hot Jam's radio. He rose to his feet and shouted, Shit! 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 several times, startling his poor dog Smudge so much that he immediately deposited his rectal response on the kitchen floor. It dawned on him, as he listened intently and mopped up the mess, that he was going to be horrendously busy from now until the end of his lifetime. A surprise in a long line of surprises. The received communication from over there was of impeccable quality and spoken in 6,500 different Earth languages. It was well beyond lunchtime the following day before the welcome message was fully transmitted. For many in the Northern Hemisphere, it was reminiscent of listening to the results of the Eurovision Song Contest, only less tedious. The first over there weekly bulletin, as heard in its English translation, reads as follows. The suns are shining. Contentment to the human race. We are the people of over there. We embrace you with love and sanity. Welcome to the Alpha Farag. You are never alone. Speculation and suspicion ensued. After the initial message, there was radio silence for two weeks. Then came the regular weekly broadcast consisting of intermittent facts and numbers about the Alpha Farag and over there. The transmission was an attempt to get Earth up to speed with the cosmos. Over There's welcome caused Earth's media to go into overdrive and eventually caused the press to self-implode. There were multiple reports of journalists catching fire and disappearing all over the world. Alas, no one believed or indeed cared if these stories were true. For most people, their lives changed very little. Having spent decades hearing sensational news, there was little they could do other than carry on and wait to see how things turned out. According to statistics, an uplift in divorces and a rise in unemployment took on unprecedented new heights. Zealous religious groups professing the end of Earth sprung up, but it was difficult to judge if these were new groups or just the same old ne'er-do-wells. A self-professed genius and former bass player of an aging rock band speculated that the people of over there had already visited Earth without anyone knowing. He went on to insist he'd known about this all along and had even written several successful songs to warn everyone. At first, nobody paid much attention. He was, after all, reasonably irrelevant in modern times. It was when he started turning up at parties wearing a machine gun as underpants and yelling, The aliens will kill us all! that he was considered dangerous. His subsequent arrest, re-emergence to fame as the leader of the Anti-Alien Task Force, and eventual execution, marked a prophecy for darker times to come. Arguably the best development as a result of the alien contact was the creation of International Welcome Day. Governments all over the world recognized an excellent PR opportunity when they saw one, and granted everyone a day off work. Millions of people took to the streets with banners and welcome mats to wave up at the sky and celebrate the discovery of second life. Offers of food were sent up into the ether, sellotaped to drones and helium balloons. 
New songs were created and sung by out-of-tune children at the tops of their voices. At least, that's how it began. The year International Welcome Day was created, all was good. Earth was starting to get a handle on things. Not much else occurred in the second year, other than several civil wars continued, a moron invented time travel, and a fake digital currency collapsed. But, by and large, everything was relatively okay. Perhaps it is worth adding a little more context at this stage. Describing everything as okay is maybe painting too merry a picture of Earth's ever-developing inferiority complex. Already feeling a little out of touch, intelligent life on Earth, collectively speaking, had no idea that over there existed and had believed for thousands of years that it was the only thing worth talking about in the universe. If Earth were a person, you might call them self-obsessed with little to no awareness of anyone around them. Having had its eyes forced open to the fact it was no longer top dog, intelligent life on Earth felt minuscule and insignificant. As a result, it started to overcompensate. Academics and members of the public entered spirited debates around the nature of life on over there. As most popular fiction would have it, aliens were synonymous with invasions and always resulted in a battle to the death. After years of conditioning and a tendency for violence, it was challenging to dissuade humans from fearing such an attack. During years 3, 4, and 5, things started to get interesting. If you were observing a pub fight, these years were the moment when things got tasty which loosely translates as time to abandon one's pint and get the hell out of there. Unfortunately, though the population was up for leaving this metaphorical pub, there was no way out. So everyone remained stuck on Earth. During years 6 and 7, things took a turn for the worse. Speculation of alien spies and alien witch hunts were on the rise. It was generally understood and agreed that no one knew what was going on. If knowledge is power and power is money, governments were bankrupt and rich and powerful people the world over became weak, leaving the poor increasingly desperate to take control. Conversely, this excited the hoi polloi who had long had it rough and were, not so secretly, delighted at the prospect of new owners. Thankfully, not everyone believed that an invasion was on the cards. For example, a peculiar group of people from Stoke-on-Trent in England wondered if a recently deceased pop star who had written several global hit songs about being visited by people from outer space was an alien and made several requests for an autopsy. Two women from Burgas in Bulgaria also stumbled upon the real motivation for Over There's contact with Earth. They even went so far as to write a book about it. Alas, with the ever-declining human desire to read, sadly no one looked at it apart from the authors and their mums. <laughs>